this week on the Have Form. Oh boy, there is a lot to talk about this week. What an exciting week to be Montreal Canadiens fans. It's fun. It feels like we finally got something we wanted in a free agency year after so many years. There's tons of contracts to talk about. I mean, we can touch on Anderson's contract again that we that we talked about as it was breaking on the last podcast. Of course, Canadians signed Tyler Toffoli. Uh, Canadians weren't didn't sign a Hall, which is who a lot of people wanted. But arguments can be made that with the contract we got with Toffoli, this might be actually better for the Canadians. So we'll see. Extended Jake Allen, which is great to see, and Gallagher is extended after 24 hours of Toronto media saying some bullshit about how uh, he's not coming back to Montreal or whatever. So you know. As usual, Toronto media knows nothing about the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, aside from that, we're going to talk about what else is left to sign. There's basically only one guy left to sign that's a big piece for the Canadiens. And one of our young players will be playing in Finland until hockey resumes in uh, the NHL. But before all that, Dustin, please tell us who our sponsor is. That's right. It's still Manscaped. So Habs Hockey is finally back, at least for free agency. We're definitely pumped with what the Canadians have done. So time to throw on your team sweater and make sure you don't take a hit below the waist. Our partners at Manscaped are here to save your boys from taking on a big Weber slap shot. So you stay clean and take care of yourself where it matters most. So Manscaped is here to shoot a top corner beauty and deliver the best tools for your below-the-waist grooming experience. So check out the new Lawnmower 3.0 and the rest of their amazing grooming products at manscaped.com. And don't forget to use promo code HABSFORUM for 20% off your purchase and get free shipping. All right, perfect. So let's get right to it. Now, I want to I want to kind of go in order. There's a lot of talk about here, Dustin. So I want to kind of go in order on how things happen. And I know we already talked about the Anderson contract. But since we talked about it as it broke on Twitter, basically, we didn't really have the, the fan reaction to kind of talk about because it hadn't really happened yet. And you and me were very excited about this contract. We thought it was a great deal. Uh, we were – I mean, I think part of it is also that we were just excited that something happened while we were recording the podcast. But I still think it was a good deal. But a lot of people were kind of lukewarm. A lot of people saying it's 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 a massive overpayment. I mean, maybe more like the term. But it's clear Anderson wanted a long-term contract. And the money doesn't seem that bad to me at all for the type of uh, game he plays. I mean, has your opinion on the contract changed last week? No, I don't. No. It, I mean, I, I still think it's a good contract. Um, I mean, apparently Anderson said, uh, you know, it's either a one-year deal or a seven-year deal. And to be clear, a one-year deal would have brought him straight to free agency. To, to be exactly. Right? So I mean, at that point, you know, yeah, you're signing him for one year, and then you're potentially going to lose him. You know, I mean, you de- probably if he would have hit free agency, in all likelihood. I mean, apparently there was just like a line of teams trying to get Josh exactly. Anderson from the Blue Jackets. So you got to for sure he was going to get more than five and a half million. You would have to think. Um, yeah, it is obviously a gamble signing him to seven years. First of all, I don't think a dollar amount is that bad. I don't think if if you just go on cap friendly and and, and look at similar contracts that were signed recently and, and and like you'll, you'll see the players that it's, it's it's very reasonable. 5.5 million is not what it used to be. Like it sounds like a big number to us, obviously, but as far as a top six winger that has the potential to put up a, let's say, we won't say 30, let's say 20, 25 goals, that's how much you're going to pay for it, especially with a, a guy of his size. It's a very unique player in the NHL. There's only so many players that have his skill set. The money makes perfect sense. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think it makes sense. I mean, again, the, the term seven years, 
is a bit of a, you know, it could be a bit of a risk. I mean, obviously, I mean, he, this is a guy that's coming off the shoulder surgery, had a, had a bad year last year because of the injury. So you're obviously gambling at this point that he's going to be back 100%. Obviously, the Canadians feel confident enough. I mean, obviously, first of all, making the trade and then making the seven-year deal, obviously, they feel pretty confident. I mean, Josh Anderson, yes, he's young. He's 26 years old. So by the end of the contract, he's going to be 33. But, I mean, again, he's he's a very physical guy. He's a, he's a guy that, you know, regularly gets over 200 hits a season. So, mm-hmm. you know, is that going to put wear and tear on his body over the long term? Is he going to stay healthy over the seven years? You know, we'll see. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it, yes, it's a bit of a risk. But I think, you know, Bergevin with this move and I think all the moves that he's made over the last week or so shows that, you know, he knows that they have to do something. This is their time right now. And I mean, you know, it's, it all started with this move. And this this is obviously a step in the right direction for sure. It's a whole it's something the Canadians have need, needed for years and years. Exactly. Right? exactly. This, this a physical winger like this that, you know, can score. You know, you said maybe not 30 goals, you know, 20, 25. I definitely think he could hit 20, 25. When he hit, I think his career high is 27 goals. That was obviously with Columbus, with Boone Jenner as his center. So I think, you know, obviously Suzuki, Kakinami, they're still young guys. But I mean, I think, I don't think anyone's going to argue that uh, Suzuki and Kakinami definitely have more potential than uh, than Boone Jenner. Yeah, exactly. A lot of a lot of talk of on Twitter was uh, that he did this uh, next to Panarin, and that's just not true. There's plenty of websites out there you can use uh, to to look at kind of like the the percentage of minutes that they've played with various players and all that in in, in any given year. And Josh Anderson simply didn't play that many minutes with the uh, with the high end player Columbus I had. It was players like you just said, like Boone Jenner. And there's no one is going to argue. Even the Columbus Blue Jackets fans won't argue that Boone Jenner. As, although he may be a fine player in his own rights in some ways, he's not the playmaker that Nick Suzuki is proving himself to be and the one that I do believe Kotkaniemi will, will become. And sure, seven years is a long time, but it's like, are, are, are we really that worried about the Montreal Canadiens cap situation in the year 2024, 2025, or, 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 or after that? Like, at, at some point, it's you're, you're planning to win now, you're sacrificing a bit in the future, and if that's an issue later down I mean, the, the team is going to be completely different. You never know what can happen. So much can change. You're not going to not sign a player or kind of go go into the season with a with a, a contract dispute just because a player. It's important to him to have a couple more years on this contract. You, you just you just get it done. The 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 year the 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 money amount is like perfectly reasonable, and it, it, it is what it is. I'm not concerned with this type of contract whatsoever, and like really not not at all. And like you said, it fills a need the Canadians have had. For years, for for you could argue decades. It's it's like since I've watched the Canadians, since I've been a fan, I'm 33 years old. There's always been people complaining about how we need size, we need scoring winners, we need big bodies, and all that stuff. There it is. There it is. It's, it's Josh Anderson. He's that big body you need, and it's perfect. But then Bergevin, he said that's not enough. I want another one. And he might not be as big of a body, but Tyler Toffoli ain't a little guy, and he can score some goals. I love this signing by the Montreal Canadiens. I can't believe he wasn't one of the players we talked about last week, by the way. How did we forget Tyler well, Toffoli? Well, I mean, I think you know the reason that we didn't talk about him is because he, he is a right wing, typically. I mean, maybe yeah. with the Canadians. It's going to be interesting to see where he lines up with the Canadians. If Is he going to play right wing? Is he going to be like you know second, third line right wing? Or is he going to be... 
Um, is he going to play left wing maybe? First of all, I want to say, I don't want to hear anyone telling me about, oh, X players on the first line, X players on the second line, X players on the third line. With the depth of talent this team has right now, there is no first line, second line, third line. There's ba- basically 1A, 1B, and 1C. As yeah. Assuming everyone is healthy, uh, if, if a winger is playing on Kotkaniemi's wing on one day instead of playing on Nick Suzuki's wing or on Philippe Dano's wing, like it's it, it's not a, a demotion. We have three great center playmakers, and it doesn't matter where they play. It's a top nine, and it's one of the best top nines we've had in years. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't, the Canadians don't really have, uh, you know, I mean, there's no superstars, I don't think, on this team, but they have three solid lines that are going to be able to put up a lot of goals. Exactly. And, you know, I, mean, I think even the fourth line, you know, whoever's going to be on the fourth line, you know, it's probably looks at this point, maybe like Jake Evans, Joel Armia, and, uh, you know, maybe a Ryan Paling. That's going to be, or actually, a play would be Paul Byron probably on the fourth yeah. line at this point if he's still with the Canadians. I mean, that's the fourth or, line that can score some goals but, too. That depends because I'm curious when camp comes. Because here's the thing: like we, we've uh, over the years, maybe some some fans are, are are wary of kind of trying players out at their not natural position uh, because we've tried a lot of wingers at center. But wingers at center is one thing, you know. Center is a whole different game. Playing on your off wing, it, it's it's oftentimes not that big a deal. I, I do think like like usually NHL players can kind of move around on their wings. I mean, not every player. But I'd be shocked if not one of, uh, of the Canadians' right-handed shots wouldn't be able to to perform just as well on the left wing. I mean, from from what I understand, Tyler Foley has played some time on the left wing. So I, I think they'll try it out because I honestly think, especially, like, I know he's inconsistent sometimes, but I think putting Armia on the fourth line, even though it's the fourth line that is going to get maybe more minutes than, than other teams, but would have a... it's a bit of a waste. I mean, Armia is too good to be on the fourth line. So I, I'd love to see a line hypothetically, uh, with Army on the right, Kutkiniemi in the middle, and Toffoli on the left, you know, or, or, or reverse those roles. Maybe Army is more comfortable on the left than Toffoli is. So I, I'd love to try that out because, I mean, and I've seen some people also talk about Army as the guy you move to free up cap space. And I love Army on this team, I, I and I would like to have him have the, the minutes that he can have, especially since it's his last year. Let's make advantage of the last year we have with him if we can't re-sign him. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's going to be tough to find. Like you said, I mean, Army on the fourth line. I mean, I don't know how much sense that makes because I, I mean, obviously, I'm a huge fan of Army as well. But uh, yeah, it might be tough to find room for him. Um, yeah, I think you could probably, you know, he's he's definitely got some value if if the Canadians were to move him. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think there's just so many options. Exactly. Like, like you said, I mean, potentially, you know, maybe Toffoli, you try him on the left side, maybe Armia. I mean, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of, uh, yeah. I mean, Claude Julien has to be just licking his chops right now at all the possibilities that he has. It's 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 going to be exciting for sure. And and also the the what the power play units, what that's going to look like. Should should the team uh, go with four forwards on the power play, considering how much depth we have at, at, at forward right now, right? And you have kind of like the the two quarterbacks. Are Shea Weber and uh, and Jeff Petrie, right? Because outside of Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie, so like what I'm saying yeah, is you have Shea Weber on one unit, and on the yeah. se- on the other unit you have Jeff Petrie. Because the, the rest of the defense, not a lot of offensive defensemen uh, there, at least not for the players that we expect to be there at the beginning of the season. So maybe that's what you do, right? Because you have so much, uh, so many wingers to play with and all that. I mean, I, I can't wait for camp, honestly. They're, they're, I can't wait to see where players slot in, what kind of chemistry we see. Because that's the thing you don't know. Like we didn't know how much chemistry. Suzuki and Dwayne could have until they were put together in the in the bubble and it clicked really well. Like who, who knows? Maybe 
maybe Toffoli is going to end up having great chemistry with Danu, and that's who we're going to want him to play with. Like, they, there's so many possibilities with this lineup right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we definitely saw the Wayne Suzuki, the sort of chemistry that they had it, uh, during the playoffs. And I mean, I think I think Josh Anderson makes a lot a lot of sense there on the right wing, right there. And man, that's going to be that's that's a hell of a line. Yeah. I mean, having a big body there with Duway, maybe taking off, uh, you know, taking some of the pressure off of him. That's uh, man, that's that's going to be a solid line right there. But I mean, like we said, I mean, I think the Canadians are going to have three really solid lines that can definitely score. So I mean, it's it's definitely going to be really exciting. And I mean, to Foley too. Yeah, I mean, we talked about J- Josh Anderson contract being really good. But Tyler Toffoli, I mean, this, you know, yeah, it's we said, a steal. yeah, I mean, the Anderson contract, you know, there were some people that weren't too sure about it, but the Toffoli contract, I don't think I saw one person that didn't like the contract. Yeah, you know, it's a good contract when you're on message boards or on Twitter or what have you. And the team that had him is cursing out their GM for not offering him the same contract. I was seeing so many Vancouver Canucks fans online furious that their GM didn't offer the same contract, or maybe he did and, and to fully just preferred to to pack his bags. But that that's always a good sign for me, you know, because here's the thing with Toffoli, if you look at the stats for last year, as soon as he left the sig hole that is uh, the, the Los Angeles Kings right now, he had a, a pretty solid 10 games in, uh, in, in Vancouver. So, I mean, we saw some, something similar happen with when last year with Kovalchuk when he came to Montreal after after leaving L.A. I mean, L.A. hasn't been exactly the, the best offensive team lately, and Toffoli has still been pretty, putting up some okay numbers there. And just seeing the Vancouver Canucks fans' reaction to, to the contract gave me a lot of hope of, of what it's going to look like in Montreal. And I, I right away went to YouTube to, to watch one of those highlights that shows, like, all the goals from uh, uh, from, from this past year for, for Toffoli. And just... The, the, the thing that got me the most excited about watching this is so many big goals, right? So many big uh, – part of me is a little sad that he's probably going to play uh, in, in front of an uh, empty arena in, in Montreal because I, I got the impression that he likes the big stage, that he, he had a big game at the at – the, um, Winter Classic, uh, which I mean, for 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 a lot of players, it's like kind of, it, it is kind of the biggest game in the regular season, right? And it's a bigger stage, bunch of game tying goals, game winning goals. He just looks like. A winner, basically, a guy that just can can really score the important goals when you need it. it it's, it's at four point two five for four years. I can't believe that contract. I, I I can't believe it. And I mean, this is a guy that I mean, you know, I, I think he, you know, he's he might be on the Canadians' third line at least on paper. It looks that way. Obviously, you know, a guy that can move up in the lineup too. But I mean, four point two five million four years for a guy that can, I mean, definitely score twenty goals, maybe yeah. twenty five. I mean that's uh, that, that's that's great that's that's great value and I mean like we said I mean this is a guy that you know I mean the, the Canadians are going to have three solid lines to Foley's a guy that can they can move up and down the lineup and I mean that's you know, just so many good moves by by Bergevin I mean I can't remember a, a time that was more exciting to be a Canadians fan than right now I think. absolutely absolutely and and the the level of depth that we could have a couple I mean knock on a wood we hope we don't but we could have a couple like injuries to main pieces on this team and it shouldn't affect the team that much you know if one of the top six wingers goes down they're not getting replaced by someone that's that much worse than them and then even then you have if army is starting the year on the fourth line and all of a sudden he's on the third line i mean having that level of depth to compensate for potential injuries because we know injuries happen it's there, there's no it, it's almost an, a completely unheard of to go through a season without injuries so the 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 level of depth that this team has uh, right now to to get through those types of situations is is is, is 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 tremendous really like 
it, it's kind of foolproof. I, I would. Be, this is definitely a team that needs to make the playoffs. That's one thing. Like he, the, the expectations are going to be way, way higher going into next year. Definitely. I mean, if and if everyone performs to the level that they can perform, you know, if if we get you know a solid play again, like we did in the playoffs from Suzuki and Kakinami. I mean, the, the Canadians. I mean, they, there should be no problem to make the playoffs. Now, granted, you know, the, it's it's not going to be easy. I mean, we we're dealing with a tough division one. We'll talk about that later. The division, but uh, yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they, on paper at least, I mean, they have a fantastic team for sure. And what's great about it too is it's not a situation where like a couple of years ago the Canadians had a had an okay year, but it, it was on the back of a lot of players having kind of career years, right? Like 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 Max Domi had that career year and all that. And the a, a lot of, of people, like advanced stats people and all that, and they were right, were saying that odds are the the players that had their career years aren't going to replicate that. And then there's going to be a big drop-off. The, the thing with this team right now, the, the Canadians don't need every player on this team to have a career year. If every player on this team just performs adequately to what they are expected to perform and just to their kind of career averages... You don't need to have a guy with a 90-point, 40-goal season if you have six, seven guys that score 20, 25 goals and have 50 points. You know, with that with that amount of depth on any given day, you're not expecting the same line to score every every game. A different line will, ha- will, will get hot on a different day, and, and then you just roll with that. And you add to that Nick Suzuki, he looks like he's primed to become a star in this league. This could be a scary group up front. Absolutely. I mean, uh, and and I mean, not not just like the scoring ability and all that, but I mean, and now with the addition of guys like Toffoli, Anderson, uh, Edmondson, even Romanov, I mean, this is a team with a lot of size now too. So I mean, they're you know not not only they're going to be a scoring threat. I mean, really the top three lines are going to be a scoring threat every time they're out there. But this could be a pretty physical team too, and it's, they're they're going to be a team that no one's going to want to play. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely uh, agree with you here. And now, 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 what's interesting with the Toffoli signatures? I, I'm sure all Habs fans were were kind of following the uh, the free agency beard very, very closely. So the, there was obviously the 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 Hall rumors that were out there. Now it came out after Hall. So Hall, every, I think everyone was shocked. I mean, even the all the insiders on Twitter were were kind of shocked with a one year, eight million dollar contract in um, in Buffalo. And I, I know it came out afterwards that no contract was ever given out to. Uh, uh, to Taylor Hall, but by the Canadians. But just, just to be clear, that doesn't mean that Mark Bergman didn't talk to Taylor Hall's camp. It just means that they never got to the point where a contract was offered. And I was bummed when that news came out. I was kind of disappointed that we, uh, we once again, not getting the big ticket. But then when I saw the contract he signed, I, like I knew Bergman wouldn't be interested in that, and, I, and I'm okay with that. But then is it that much worse to have a guy like Tyler Toffoli for essentially half the price? And then having so much more flexibility to play around with the rest of the contract to be to, to not be as concerned to when it comes to the Gallagher extension or the Deno extension that still needs to, to happen. The more I think about it, the more I think this was the right move. This was a smarter move. I mean, Taylor Hall is a fantastic player, but what's making this team great is the depth. Now, if you add Taylor Hall, then you have to sacrifice a bunch of depth long term. Is your team really that much better? But I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not sure they are. Like I, I'm really happy with this signature for, for the Canadians, and I might be happier than if we had uh, Taylor Hall for eight, nine million, and then all of a sudden we're crippled under with the cap for, for the next for the duration of his contract. You know? Yeah. No. Exactly. No. I mean, uh, it's yeah. I, I don't think you can be too disappointed. And, and again, I mean, Taylor Hall. You know, it's, it was a one-year deal. 
I, I don't think he's going to be back in Buffalo for more than a year. You know, I'm sure he's going to go. He's going to go somewhere else afterwards. When I was sort of, sort of hoping the, uh, you know, maybe the COVID thing is going to be over, and you know, maybe the salary cap will bounce back, and he might have more offers next season. But uh, no, I'm definitely not too disappointed that we didn't sign Taylor Hall. Yes, he would have been a nice guy to have, but like you said, I mean, you're definitely sacrificing at other spots if you if you yeah. sign Hall. And I mean, you're getting Tyler Toffoli. Obviously, Tyler Toffoli is not Taylor Hall, but you know, again, man, it, 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 that contract, that that's a great number and a guy that can score 20, 25 goals. So, yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, Toffoli might actually be a better signature than if the Canadians would have signed Taylor Hall. Because what if signing Taylor Hall means that they can't re-sign Brandon Gallagher, right? Would you rather have next year, because obviously we would have had both this year, but next year, would you rather have both Toffoli, Toffoli and Gallagher or would you rather just have Taylor Hall? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna take the Foley and Gallagher for sure. I mean, I don't want to lose Gallagher. That's that. That's that's for sure. I mean, Gallagher, you, you saw it in the playoffs. He's primed to be the guy that performs in the playoffs. It, it, it's a must to keep him. So uh, it, it makes a lot of sense, and I'm glad Bergevin honestly was smarter than a lot of us were when it came to, <laughs> to giving out the contracts because it, it it worked out really. And also, I would like to give uh, to Wayne Simmons for choosing Toronto Maple Leafs over the Montreal Canadiens. Because uh, if Wayne Simmons accepts our contract, because the rumors say that both the Canadians and the Leafs offered uh, similar contracts, if not more from the Canadians, but he wanted to go play at home for Toronto. Does Do the Canadians still sign Tyler Toffoli if they sign Wayne Simmons? I mean, Wayne Simmons at some point was a fine player. He's not the player he used to be at all. I am ecstatic that we got Tyler Toffoli instead of Wayne Simmons. I'll tell you that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I still think Wayne Simmons, you know, he could have been, uh, I mean, I, I definitely, you know, he's, he's going to, I think he'll, he'll do pretty well in Toronto. I think he could have done well in Montreal. Um, you know, I mean, he probably, you know, he's obviously limited at this point. You know, he's probably would have played on the fourth, fourth line. He would have been a hell of a fourth line player. Still a guy that could, you know, put up 10, 15 goals. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, he'll be a good addition but yeah, like you said, I mean, it, you know, the Canadians have to deal with a salary cap. If they would have signed him, would they have been able to sign Tyler to Foley? You know, it would have been tough to do it. Um, yeah, so I definitely, I wasn't too disappointed when I saw the Canadians didn't sign Wayne Simmons at all. I mean, I think I, they actually, I think they even said that, they, that the Canadians might have offered him more, something like maybe two million. Yeah, so, exactly. I'm disappointed in that. Because, like, if you add Dwayne Simmons and, and, and to Foley, then the, the cap situation is a lot more critical, right? Because, like, some people after the Canadian signed to Foley started talking about how the Canadians, oh, they're, they're, no, now they're over the cap. Now they're going to have to trade assets to get under the cap. To be clear, the Canadians are barely over the cap. It's, it, it's really a minor, minor move will, will fix this situation. I mean, if, if, they, if they probably could trade a guy like Kulak or, or maybe move a, try to move a guy like, like uh, like Byron, I don't know if anyone would want to take on Byron's contract, honestly. But uh, smaller moves should, should, would would get it done too. Like the, the Canadians are very have like they're they're really barely over the cap. It's not something that we need to worry about at all going into the next round. I think. No, exactly. I think they're not even four hundred thousand dollars over the salary cap. Uh, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I think just sending Jordan Wheel down to uh, to Laval would would fix it. So yeah. Exactly. I mean, exactly. You know, I, I mean, it, it, it's not it's not really anything to uh, to, to be concerned about. Uh, but uh, of course, um, since everyone seemed to agree the Canadians made a good move with Tyler Toffoli, 
uh, media in Toronto was unhappy about this, obviously, right? Because they, it's, it's, it's anyone who watches TSN or Sportsnet. It, the, I worked uh, for for a summer at Sportsnet. They're all Leafs fans, okay? People don't just say that. They all hate the Canadians. They just try to hide it on TV and they do a terrible job. So what they had to do is they had to try talking about some stuff going on between Gallagher and Mark Bergevin and how it's so Gallagher's not happy. He was insulted by the Josh Anderson contract, blah, blah, blah. And then within 24 hours, Brendan Gallagher signs a six-year, $6.5 million extension. I, I couldn't help but laugh, first of all, when I saw that after all all the drama that was going on on, on like hockey Twitter the, the day before. All the articles about how he's done, and it's not just Toronto media. To be fair, there was that that one article in, in French media here that was saying Gallagher fini. Well, I guess Gallagher's back, and he's saying all the right things. Bunch of quotes coming out today. He wants to be much Canadian for the rest of his life. I honestly could not care less about the money. It's fine how it is. I don't think he's overpaid. First of all. And Gallagher needs to be Canadian for the rest of his life. He's the next. He's the next captain once Weber leaves. That that. I, oh, absolutely. He absolutely. had to stick around. Yeah, he's the kind of guy. I mean, you know, you want to definitely. It, it would have sucked really bad to see him, you know, leave leave the Canadians. I mean, he obviously wants to be here. He loves it here. The fans love him. I mean, you know, it, it's a deal that had to get done. And I mean, like you said, I mean, you know, six point five million. I think that makes a whole lot of sense for a guy that can score thirty goals. I mean, six years, yeah, you know, maybe it's a year longer than I would have liked to have given him, you know, especially with the, with the way that he plays, you know, I mean, you know, there might be some wear and tear on his body down the road, but, uh, no, I mean, like you said, he's going to be the next captain of the Montreal Canadiens once Shea Weber retires and couldn't be happier with this. And like you said, I mean, it was hilarious. Basically, all the you know, all the articles were coming out. And, and like you said, Régent Tremblay said uh, it was his last game, I think, in the Canadiens. Uh, yeah. Canadian's uniform. Next day, not even 24 hours later, he signed for six years. So I mean, that's great. Love it. And and again, I, I think another great deal for the Canadians, 6.5 million for the next six years, for a guy that can score 30 goals. I mean, that's definitely not an overpayment. Uh, here's the thing, like, because all, all, all the fans that just looks at look at the stats and think, oh, he doesn't get enough points to score enough goals to justify that type of contract. First of all. That's not entirely true. I don't think he's overpaid and he's a 30-goal scorer, if you, if you just look at the stats. But outside of just the kind of typical classic stats like goals and assists, if you if you believe at all in advanced stats, Gallagher is one of the best players in the NHL when looking at plenty of advanced stats. He ranks number one for 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 a lot of them. He, he's an extremely valuable player on this team, even when Gallagher isn't scoring. He's going through a slump. The team is still better when he's on the ice. There's some goal scorers, if they're going through a slump, and all goal scorers go, go through slumps, but some, they become a black hole, they, 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 the puck dies on their stick. I mean, they hate to, 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 to shit on a fellow Montreal Canadian here, but Jonathan Drouin, if he's going through a cold streak, there's really nothing much happening when he's on the ice. He, it's, he's, he's, he's kind of pointless out there. Gallagher, he's going balls to the wall. He's going into the corners. He's he's getting in the other team's face. He's creating opportunities, and he he's changing the the way a game is going, regardless of if he's putting points up. Players like that, they're they're worth so much more than the stats that they they put on the score sheet. And on top of that, Gallagher still puts stats on the score sheet. 
a, a player like Gallagher is is, is essential to to a, it would the team would undoubtedly have been worse if 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 he left and we've seen it when he's been injured in the past you see a significant drop in the play for the team it happens every single time he he's worth i would say probably more realistically than the 6 the 6 million dollar contract he 6.5 million dollar contract he signed it's just that unfortunately for him a lot of what he brings to the table is a lot harder to kind of quantify as far as negotiating for a contract so he gets what he gets, and I think it's a steal for Montreal Canadiens. Six years, who cares? Give him ten years. I want, to, I want him to live the rest of his life, life in Montreal. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely could have seen him getting maybe a little bit more. Seven million, maybe seven and a half, but definitely. I mean, I'm happy with 6.5 million. I mean, I, I think a 30-goal score, you know, just scoring 30 goals, any 30-goal score is definitely worth 6.5 million. But then, yeah. like you said, you, you, you bring into, you know, that that's not even taking into account all the other things that he does off. Well, not, not just off the ice. I mean, I'm sure he does a lot in the community as well, but on the ice, you know, obviously, I mean, throwing the body around the leadership that he provides, just that fire that he provides. And we saw that, you know, even, even when he wasn't scoring in this playoffs, he was still, you know, always in the other team's face, just being a pest out on the ice and I mean that's you know that you need to have guys like that on your team, and there's not many many players really in the NHL that that do what Brandon Gallagher does as well as he does it. And despite the way he plays, he, he tends to stay healthy, right? Like a few years ago, he had back to back years where he had fluke injuries, but it's not like he has one injury that keeps coming back, right? 2017-18 played full 82 games, 18-19 full 82 games. 1920 played 59. I'm not. I don't know off the top of my head if that's the full amount of games. It seems right about the full amount of games that the the the, the Canadians played last year, right? Because the season was cut, was cut short. So yeah. that's not a, that's not a concern either. He's consistent. He does everything you want. I mean, I I absolutely love Gallagher. Like every half said, how can you not love Gallagher? You just have to. And we would fucking hate him if he was like if he was on the Leafs. He'd probably be my most hated player in the. NBA. Oh, but for sure. you love having players like that on your team. Love it. Definitely. I mean, and, and you know, to a good team, uh, you know, always has a guy like Brandon Gallagher on, on it. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you take a look at, uh, like, Brad Marchand, for example. A- anyone who's not a Boston Bruins fan hates him. We hate him. Yeah. But, you know, he's, he's basically the same sort of mold as Brandon Gallagher, right? Yeah, and that's, exactly. you know, any, any, Saul, any Stanley Cup winning team is going to have a Brandon Gallagher on their team. Yeah, I mean, Gallagher legitimately takes players off their game. Like, he actually does. Like, people talk about that. But it, it, he – and but oftentimes, it's, it's just not really true. They're, they're, they're playing against pros, and, like, they don't really get affected by things. But you, you see it every game. He gets under the other team's skin, and it gets them off their, their, their game oftentimes. And it's not surprising. That, that smirk he has on his face – Man, if he wasn't on my team, I don't want to smack it every single time I saw it. I'll tell you that much. He has a very punchable face. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, to, to Habs fans, we, we consider it a huggable face. But to, to everyone else, it's probably a punchable face. Uh, so, uh, I mean, so, 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 so that was great news. And obviously, the Toronto media thing was hilarious, too. But the, the other extension that kind of went forgotten that happened not uh, a little bit before the Gallagher extension, actually, uh, Jake Allen. Uh, signs. I, w- I was surprised by this uh, at, at first, but then a lot of people seem to think to expose him for the uh, for the expansion draft with uh, with Seattle coming in. So he signs an extension, two years, two hundred 
2.875 million, which is definitely fair. It's it's less than what he's making right now. Fair value for a backup goalie. And if he doesn't get picked by by Seattle, I'm still happy to have a solid backup goalie set for the next three years, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so like you said, I mean, first of all, it offers, um, you know, because the Canadians do have to expose at least one goalie in the expansion yeah. draft. At this point, they don't have any, well, obviously, aside from Carey Price, but, uh, you know, they don't have any other goalie options to expose. So this certainly checks that box off. Um, and, and, you know, he, he could definitely be, you know, depending on how he plays next season, if he plays as well as he can play and as well as he did play with the St. Louis Blues, and he could definitely be an option for Seattle uh, yeah. to select their goalie. And, I mean, that would save, you know, the Canadians from losing any any of their other players. Exactly. Um, and, I mean, like, like you said, I mean, he's definitely a solid backup goaltender. At least he was in St. Louis. I'm sure, he, you know, he'll be able to do the same with the Canadians. And for that that number, I mean, that's not a bad number either, uh, two, 2.875, I think. Yeah, uh, exactly. If you take a look at what some of the guys, some of the other goalies got this offseason, then, I mean, that's that's a pretty good number. Yeah, absolutely. For 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 someone of Jake Allen's caliber, and some people were like, "Why not wait till you see him play?" Jake Allen's earned it, right? He he he. he the, the season he played last year, if it was important to him to have an extension signed going into the year, he's earned it with his play. At this point, he's 30 years old. You know, he's not he's he's not a young goaltender. He's proven he can be an excellent backup in the NHL. You you just give him the contract and then you go into the year and 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 you're set and really the only thing there is to to worry about now as far as legitimate pieces going to next year is uh I mean not to say others aren't uh, legitimate but the big one is Philip Dano now that's that's the one question mark right now is Dano good because because has done a ton this offseason. really he the last month it's been absolutely crazy I mean since September second. He's traded for Allen, traded for Edmondson, signed Edmondson, signed Petrie, traded for Anderson, uh, made some draft pick trades. Then he signs Anderson, signs to Foley, signs Gallagher and Allen, all in the last uh, month and a half, essentially. But it's not quite over. He still has Dan Uderson. Now, do you think this happens before we go into next year? Ah, uh, man, I, I don't think so. It's, it's so tough to say. I mean, it's. I mean, it's tough to say what exactly his value is. I mean, I, yeah. I, you sort of get the sense that that Dano sort of over overvalues himself. So I can see that maybe there would be, you know, some a, a bit of a tough negotiation there. That you know there might be a a, a big gap between the two. Um. So, you know, I, I it, it's going to be tough to say. I, I'm thinking that it's probably not going to get done before the end of the season or before the beginning of the season. But I mean, I don't think it's a huge concern either. I mean, you know, he's no, been here. No, me neither. Me neither. He seems to want and to be. I I think so too. And, and like as much as I do love Dano, I mean, it's not the exact same as the Gallagher situation, right? Gallagher uh, came up through the Montreal Canadiens organization. He's been the heart and soul of the team. I, I do think it was a more important thing to get done. And I think I don't think Dano gets signed before the season either, because I think part of what comes into play here is they might be thinking, depending on how. Uh, Nick Suzuki and Kotkaniemi play next year, if they really truly become a true one-two punch down the middle and continue where they left off in the playoffs, then the team has to kind of think about, okay, do we want to put that much more money into Dano, knowing that sooner rather than later, we're going to have to pay Suzuki and 
and Kudkiniemi also, right? So if it's a situation where Dano be- truly, truly becomes the third line center on this team because he gets surpassed by both the kids, then it's is it is it does it make sense when when looking at the cap and all that to pay Dano how much maybe he he's going to be wanting to get, which might be similar to what Gallagher just got, like a six point five million. Yeah. I don't know, right? It's it, it, it it's it's tough to say. So at that point, you kind of have to build your team a bit differently. Then unfortunately, you might lose Dano, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, yeah, it's, it it might be tough, you know. Depending uh, again, it's it's really going to depend on how much he wants. I mean, I, I feel like I, probably for him, maybe a five million dollars makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think you know he's probably thinking he'll get more towards Gallagher money, like six point five. Which, you know, it makes me think that there's probably going to be a large gap between the two. So it's yeah. probably not going to get done before the beginning of the season. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I have faith that it, that it will end up getting worked out. And I, I think a lot of this uh, comes into play with uh, how this season goes, right? Because uh, people love to talk about hometown discounts and stuff like that and seeing if players. I mean, the players don't often do that, but it does happen before it to happen the players need to see that the team can compete at a high level, right? Uh, as, as it is right now, there, there's really no reason uh, yet, right? The, the the teams, the players haven't seen it yet. But if the Canadians have a, a, a fantastic year, they end up like near the top of the division, I, I have a bit of a run in the playoffs, you know, and it looks like it's a team that's on, on its way towards being a cup winner. That's when you can get guys like Dan who may be willing to sign a bit more team-friendly contracts. Right? So I, I, I think that's something that, that could happen here. So I, I really don't think it's a contract that's going to get signed before uh, the, the season gets going, maybe during the year, depending on how, how, the, how the year goes. But I don't think there's a rush to sign uh, Dan at all. Now, outside of Dan I mean, there's there are other players that are going to be UFAs. I mean, there's Tatar, there's Armia, and there's Wheel that are going to be UFAs. And Wheel, I mean, obviously not coming back. Uh, and the big RFA, of course, is Kachinyemi. I mean, I don't think these are any contracts that are going to get done uh, anytime soon. Unfortunately, I do think there's a there is a real possibility that Tatar and Armia uh, are going to be playing their their last seasons in uh, uh, in in Montreal, considering the cap and depending how the how the kids do. And Kachinyemi is just going to depend on how his season goes. So, I mean, Bergman might actually be able to to relax for the rest of the summer now. Yeah, but I mean, probably. I think you know he's definitely done the the, the brunt of his work so far. I, mean, of, I just said the rest of the summer. We're not in the summer; it's October. It's like, yeah, yeah, well, it's like yeah, two yeah. degrees outside. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Kukinami, obviously. I mean, yeah, that that'll probably wait till the end of the season. Some of the other guys, though, like you said, Tatar. Man, I don't know. You know, the Canadians would have a pretty big hole if Tatar does leave. I don't I, disagree. I it depends how much money he wants. It depends how much yeah. money he. Wants. That's the thing. But I think Tatar, you know, you were just talking about hometown discounts. I think Tatar might be the kind of guy that would that might take less money to stay with the Canadians. You know, I can had... see that because of the horrible experience he had in Vegas. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think he really loves to play here. He loves playing with the guy. You know, he's obviously had a lot of success with Gallagher and Deneau. Um, yeah, I could I could see him maybe taking, a, you know, a bit of a friendly discount depending on what happens this season. But yeah, a guy like Armia, you got to figure that. Uh, he, he's probably going to be on, you know, on the uh, on the outside looking in, just because there's so much depth on this team right now. Um, I mean, there's Lekkinen as well. He's going to be an RFA. 
I think Lekkonen will probably be back. You know, he's he's yeah. a guy that can probably play the fourth line, but Army is probably not really a fourth line guy. Well, the but, thing with uh, Armia, though, is you might be able to get him on a pretty reasonable contract because he doesn't put up crazy stats. You know, he he, he averages about kind of 13 to 15 goals a year and about 30 points. So he doesn't have crazy stats, but he kind of brings a bit more to the table, a little bit like Gallagher, than what you see on the on the score sheet. So those are the types of players that sometimes you can get on a on a pretty reasonable contract, right? So if you're able to sign Gallagher uh, for Armia for for a not too crazy deal, I, I I would welcome him back for for sure. Oh yeah, I'd, love, I'd definitely love to see him back. I mean, he's making uh, I think two point six million right now. Um, if you can maybe get him, get yeah, I think uh, you know I think two point six is probably a reasonable number to to try to get him back for. Um, I mean, again, you know, some of these guys are are, are going to be getting a raise. You know, a guy like Daniel yeah. is definitely going to be making more next season. Is Tatar going to resign? You know, that's another question mark. Yeah. Um, so Gallagher, yeah. obviously, these new contracts and be yeah. kicking in. Kutkiniemi, regardless of if he signs a bridge or a long term deal, it's going to be more than nine, like nine hundred thousand dollars, right? So it's it's it, it, there's going to be some bigger contracts. What's what's nice to see though is that defense is pretty much already set for next season. I mean, there's Mete that's still RFA, but uh, honestly, I mean, I think. I don't think Mete is going to be with the Canadians for that much uh, longer past this season. I, I might be wrong. I might be wrong, but with the the, the draft pick that we just made uh, in uh, in Gulia the, the, this year and Norlander that's been looking so good, and Romanov coming in this year, there just doesn't seem to be room for Mete anymore. So I, I don't know if he comes back after this year, honestly. Yeah, probably not. I think I think he'll probably be with the Canadians. I I think probably Kulak is more likely to move before the beginning of the season. Uh, I mean, I think Mete makes a lot of sense as a seventh defenseman just because he can play on both sides. No, I agree. For this year, yes. Sir. I think he'll stay for this year. I just mean going forward after that. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, he's probably not going to be uh, be around for too much longer. You know, it could very well be his last season. Um, you know, if the Canadians can move Kulak, though, and uh, and another guy, obviously, you know, there, there's been a lot of talk about the Canadians moving him is Paul Byron and his $3.4 million contract. If, if the but that's Canadians, the thing. I don't see I don't I I don't see anyone grabbing Paul Byron with there's that a contract. Lot of people that um I mean obviously now they they just signed Dadanov, but there was a lot of people that were suggesting that uh, maybe Ottawa could want him because he is uh, he's a native of the area. I think he's from Gatineau if I'm not mistaken and uh and they do need to get to I don't know what their cap situation now is after signing Dadanov, but they needed to get to the salary cap floor. So potentially that that could maybe make sense. Um, yeah, I mean, we could even maybe throw a pick their way to uh, to take Paul Byron's contract off our hands, but uh, maybe maybe that may maybe something like that could uh, could make sense. And that that's the one team that that could make sense. But like you said, uh, they they did sign Dan and off to five million three years uh, uh, today. Uh, so I I don't know if uh, if that happens uh, uh, honestly. But as much as I love Byron, he he is the one that makes the most sense. If we if we because we don't, the Canadians don't need to move Byron to get under the cap, like we talked about earlier. But at the same time, you don't necessarily want to be right at the cap, right? Moving Byron would give a lot of flexibility to the team uh, that they don't have right now. While, if we're being honest, considering his injury issues recently, how he's clearly slowed down, I don't think losing Paul Byron would be necessarily a very big hole for uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I you really hope that a guy like Ryan Paling, after the horrible showing he had this uh, off season, kind of bounces back and has a strong off season uh, this year. 
uh, to, to come into camp next year strong. And then if, if that's the case, then you have Lekkanen and Byron and Paling that are kind of like all kind of fighting for their similar roles on the team. So one of them kind of becomes redundant. And I'd much rather hold on to Lekkanen at this point than uh, Paul Byron, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, right now Byron would uh, is probably going to be on the fourth line, uh, yeah. which doesn't really make much sense paying, a, paying your fourth line winger uh, 3.4 million. Um, and I mean, like you said, I mean, they have other guys too. You know, I mean, Jake Evans is going to be on that fourth line. Yeah, even Jordan Wheel still with the Canadians. He's not a bad fourth liner. Um, you know, you have, like you said, Ryan Paling, depending on how he shows up to camp. Another guy I think, yeah, I, I really think is going to make the team from Laval is Laurent Dauphin. He was one of one of the best players at the end of the season for the Rocket. He's a great penalty killer. Joel Bouchard loves him. Um, so I, I definitely could see him being with the Canadians, a cheap option. And uh, yeah, obviously yeah. I, the Kings have a, have a bunch of options there for, for for young guys on cheap contracts. So yeah, it just doesn't make sense to keep Byron really. But uh, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I mean, he could bounce back if he finds his speed again. Yeah, yeah, it, could, it could a, be a useful. He's still a guy that can score. I mean, I think he just dealt with some injuries last season, which which really slowed him down. But I mean, he definitely showed flashes of the old. You know the the Paul Byron of old, and I think you know he he's a guy that can score 15 goals for sure. Yeah. I mean maybe not he's not really I mean, a he was he had a back to back 20 goal seasons and then he had 15 goals in 56 games right. So it's just last year four goals six assists in 29 games. He could bounce back. He could bounce back, but he didn't for most of last year. He did not look like the kind of explosive Paul Byron we the Canadians had in the past. No, no, exactly. But you know I, I definitely think he can bounce back. Like you said, he's getting a little bit older, but. Uh, Definitely a guy that can uh, that can provide some some scoring threat and and definitely a, an, an amazing penalty killer. You know, a guy that it, it could be a real asset in a bottom six, really for any team. Yeah, for sure. No, for sure. No, I d- definitely agree there. But I mean, but like you said, paying three point four million for a fourth line guy does not make sense. Honestly, you look at every team around the NHL, though. Every team kind of has that one guy that. Is on the fourth line getting paid a bit too much. It kind of is what it is. And it's just, but looking at, at all the numbers, like not a lot, like you mentioned Ottawa, that's one team, but not a lot of teams have kind of cap space. Like look at all these moves that have happened that players are like a guy like Nate Schmidt that was, he's a very good defenseman that was basically just given away uh, by, by the Ryan Golden Knights. We've we, uh, seen a, a few moves like that. Ryan Murray, right? Sorry, what was that? Uh, I mean, the Blue Jackets just traded Ryan Murray uh, basically yeah. one of their top four defensemen right so for exactly. nothing so, uh, exactly. yeah. so it's, it's there's, like, there's like competition to get that done yeah yeah it's it's, it's going to be tough for sure to to move him i mean but but i mean worst case i mean he he would be a great fourth liner for the canadians you know, 3.4 million is a lot of money but uh but whatever i mean uh, he's been great for the canadians over the last uh, couple of years and you know he's i, I love paul byron but yeah, no, I, I, I love him too. I'm not mad if, uh, if, the, if the Canadians have ball by on the team. And here's the thing. You don't wish it on him, but uh, if if injuries are an issue, then it just means that he'll end up being on the on the injured reserve list. And then it, it is what it is. And he, he's not really an impact player on the, on the team regardless. And then, then his cap hit doesn't count against the cap anyway. So that, that's, that's kind of like you don't hope that happens. But if injuries are that big of an issue, that is what's going to happen. So then it is what it is really. Uh, then aside from that, the other uh, big news as far as specifically for the Canadians is that uh, Kut Kinyemi will be playing uh, on loan with his uh, team in Finland in Pori, which was his hometown team. He played for them uh, in the past before he uh, he played in the NHL. I mean, all, obviously fantastic news. You, you want him to keep playing. You want him to have – and th- this is a like, legitimate league. 
to play in to get some good minutes. Uh, hopefully, I don't know exactly what this team looks like, but hopefully he's going to get some some top minutes on this team to be able to kind of continue his progression despite the whole you know COVID nineteen situation because. This is the type of thing I want to see because I, I I I want him to step into next year just the same way he ended off in in the, in the playoffs. This is because Suzuki, I'm not worried. Kutkinyemi, as much as I love him, and it's not a guarantee that it'll be good to go as like a true second line center, third line center that with offensive upside next year. But if he can be that guy, that is really what's going to transform this team, regardless of all the other moves. Moves the kids need to perform too for the for the team to be as good as we hope they can be. No, exactly. And I, I mean, it'd definitely be good to, you know, he, he actually had a quote that, uh, you know, he's been working their asses off in the gym over the last couple of weeks. So, you know, that's great if he's in shape. And now, I mean, I think the best thing for him now, he's still, uh, what, 20 years old right now. So, you know, go, if he can go get some, some good playing time in Finland, you know, I mean, Finland's a good league. It's obviously not the NHL, but it's definitely a good league where he can get some solid playing time, um, you know, I, I haven't looked at their team this year, but I know historically they're they're definitely not one of the better teams in Finland. So he presumably is probably going to be one of, if not the best player on the team. So, you know, he's probably going to be getting top minutes, top line, hopefully, you know, at center. Hopefully be the top line center there, get some power play time, maybe some PK time and, you know, just get as much experience as he can and, and be ready to go on, you know, January 1st or whenever the, whenever the Canadian season does start. But definitely, I mean, this is the best case scenario. You know, if he's already put on some weight, that's great. But now yeah. to go get some playing experience and, and you know, hopefully hit the ground running once the season does start. Because I think the teams that are going to have players that have kind of already been skating and playing actual hockey are going to be at a bit of an advantage when uh, when the season starts. Because there's, there's a few teams out there that have players that are on, on loan like that. But having a guy like Kutkinimi step in, you always see it every year. Like some players take some time to kind of get started with uh, with the off season and uh, kind of getting the, into game shape. If you if if you want, having him come in right at, right, right away, fresh from playing in Finland, could, could be a huge boost for him to to start the year. So, so definitely what you want to hear. And and really the last thing I want to talk about here, it's been kind of leaked a little bit. There's a bit of a rumor going around. Uh, it's it's the owner for the Vegas Golden Knights kind of let it slip in the interview that it looks like. The division makeup might be very different. Now, this is not very surprising uh, considering the the travel restrictions with uh, COVID-19, but it's looking like there's a good chance there's going to be a Canadian division uh, next year, which means that the Canadians, instead of being in the same division as uh, teams like the Tampa Bay Lightning and, uh, and the Boston Bruins, uh, they would be in a division with all the Western Canadian teams along uh, with also, uh, as usual, Toronto and Ottawa and all of that. I mean, I, I find this very exciting. I love the idea of this, honestly. Like, I know why they don't do it usually because it is a lot of travel considering how far apart like we are from Vancouver, for example. But I love the idea of playing against more Canadian teams uh, like that. I mean, it's just going to create some rivalries w- within Canada. And there's going to be something to be said about whoever – if this only happens for one season, whichever team wins the division that se- that year, that that's bragging rights. You know, like that, that that's going to make things that much more exciting. Oh, absolutely. I mean, definitely. I mean, we always love playing against, uh, you know, other Canadian teams, even, you know, when the Canadians were out West or when they, when the Canucks, Oilers, Flames and Jets are here, but we always love playing against Canadian teams. I mean, it'd be super exciting for sure. I mean, I know, um, I, I, I'd already heard that the, uh, that the AHL teams, well, the Canadian, all the Canadian teams. So the, well, basically the Canucks and, uh, and, uh, the Oilers and Flames who have, AHL teams in the U.S. were planning on moving their AHL teams to Canada just for next season so that they would do 
I mean, basically the same thing, a Canadian AHL division. Um, so, I mean, it doesn't surprise. I, I mean, I think this makes a lot of sense. Obviously, we know what's going on, going on in the States. It's, it would be a huge headache to go back and forth yeah. uh, through the border. So, I mean, if, if there is going to be hockey, you know, starting at the beginning of January, this probably is the thing that makes the most sense. Uh, so, I, I don't so do you think this means there would barely be, if any, interdivision matchups? Like, would the teams just kind of play within division the whole year? Is is that what we're looking at right now? Because that's kind of interesting, well, right? At least for the Canadian teams, I guess. I mean, yeah. and, you know, we it would only be Canadian teams against Canadian teams, I guess. You know, in, in maybe in the states they could uh, they could play interdivision games, but. Uh, I mean, yeah, we're, you know, we're seven teams. We're going to be playing the same teams over and over again. But, uh, you know, it'd be pretty exciting to see some of the other Canadian teams on a more regular basis, more than once or twice oh, a season. Absolutely. So. And it, it would kind of be similar to how it works with, with like, Eastern and Western Conference, except it's just in divisions instead, right? Because, like, we barely ever play against the Western Conference team. We just wouldn't play. It, it, it would be interesting. It'd just be a, a different makeup for the uh, for the season, is essentially. Then they... they I don't know how the playoffs will work uh, after that. There'll probably be a bubble, actually, now that I think about it again for the playoffs. Uh, unless we're over this by then, well, hopefully, which hopefully we are. But I, I, I'm all for it. I, I think this uh, it makes the next season more exciting. It's, it's nothing is confirmed yet, but I think that'd be really cool, honestly. And I, I like the idea of always having it. Uh, all, I, mean, I would miss kind of playing uh, the main rivals for the Canadians, which is uh, the Boston Bruins, of course. But. Ah, there's so there's, there's, there's something so cool about an all Canadian division. You know, the, winning that division it would obviously not be as important like as like winning winning the cup and all that. But like as it is right now, I don't really care that much about winning the division. Right? It's more about making the playoffs who you're going to face in the first round. But I'd want to win that division. I'd want to be the winner of the Canadian division. And there's something there's something different and special about that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it would yeah, it would be a really exciting change. You know, I mean, just it's it's going to be. Well, presumably only for one season that uh, that we'd see this, but yeah, it would definitely be really exciting for the one season. I mean, I, I definitely think it's it's if if we are going to have hockey in the next couple of months, this is probably the only way that it's going to happen. The only way that really makes sense. Yeah. And I don't I don't care if we if we play the same the same team 81 times. You know, if, if any any way that we're going to get Canadians hockey, let's do. It. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and all it's gonna do is fuel rivalries. Right, the hatred we have for the Leafs is only gonna grow exponentially if we end up playing against them that many more. Because like we end up playing, let's say we're only playing the Canadian teams, you're playing what about ten games against each team during the season. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna build some uh, some hatred there, and and you might end up seeing a schedule that's kind of similar to baseball, right, where they do uh, uh, three a three games series. Uh, because you, you you don't they don't want the teams to to travel as much when it comes to go to west Co- west coast and all that so it'd be interesting to see how how they how they do it but it could be a completely different uh, as different as the the playoffs were in some aspects it was still watching on TV it wasn't that different but this would completely change uh, the, the 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 season and uh, honestly I'd be excited for it so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it it would definitely be an exciting change you know I mean. Maybe obviously we have rivalries with you know with the with the uh, with the Maple Leafs and, and and the Senators too maybe to a, a little bit of a lesser extent there but you know it, it would be cool to maybe build some rivalries with some of the teams out west and, and I mean like you said you know sort of do like a baseball thing where then that yeah. probably would be what they would do now, if you're playing the same team you know three maybe even four four games in a row that. You know, that, that would definitely help to build a rivalry and be pretty exciting for sure. So, yeah, you know, it would be a one-off, um, not something yeah. they'd be doing every season, but, yeah, it would be an exciting change of pace for sure. 
And another advantage for the Canadians where, I mean, obviously there's a, there's a real chance that this they would do this with no fans in the stands. But there's been talk about having uh, kind of modified stadium, uh, like a seating in arenas where you'd have, I think I saw the owner for the, the, the senators talking about 6,000. They had a, a plan to have 6,000 fans, which is obviously a lot less than uh, the, the bell center usually has about 21,000. Right. So uh, you're, you're talking what about a third of the, of, of the amount of, uh, of the fans, uh, e- e- even less, but still, you could, you could still have some fans in there, in there instead of none. And we all know everywhere in Canada, the Canadians go, uh, oftentimes you hear the Habs fans louder than the, you do the other team. So uh, the, the, the the players would end up playing in front of Habs fans for uh, 82 games. That can only be good for the team, that's for sure, if there are fans in the stands, of course. I mean, 6,000 fans in Ottawa, I don't think they usually get that many. So <laughs> uh, They do when it's against the Canadians, but it's because 10,000 of them are, are Canadians fans that just made the drive because it's easier to get tickets in Ottawa than it is to get tickets in Montreal. And it's not that long of a drive, so it's worth it, you know. That's true. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, definitely be exciting. I mean, you know, it, 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 it would be starting Jan. Well, I think around the beginning of January is is what the uh, what the word was. So, you know, I'll see. We'll we'll have to see what the situation is with uh, with COVID at that point. But yeah, I mean, I think this this definitely makes the most sense if they do want to start it at that point. It's probably the only way that it's going to happen. And and I think as a one off, it uh, it would definitely be an exciting, you know, an exciting season for sure. Yeah, and it can't come soon enough because. Uh... Now it's it's that, that thing where we've had such a high as Habs fans in the last week, but now it's like we just talked about. There, there might not be any more contract talks. Uh, uh, I mean, any more extensions coming anytime soon. The Canadians don't really have any space to make any more moves as far as uh, free agency goes, unless they do end up moving a contract well, like Paul Byron. So there might not be much going on in Habs land for until, I don't know, I guess camp would be in December. Uh, so, I mean, I guess actually now that I think about it, we're already in mid-October. So it's only a month and a half until December and when the, when the, the, the potential camp would start. So that's not so bad. That's not so, I can survive a month and a half, but I can't wait to see this team on the ice. I can't wait. No, exactly. I mean, I don't I, – I can't remember the last time I've been this excited. The Canadians have, have had this much depth on the team, this this good of a team, really, at least on paper. We'll see how, uh, how it translates on the ice. But yeah. uh, it's definitely an exciting time to be a Habs fan and uh, – and like you said, I mean, the, the season can't come fast enough. All right. So, I mean, I think that does it for uh, for today's episode. I, I, I was uh, We were excited to record it so much to uh, to talk about. And uh, not too sure when the next one will be. Like, always follow us on Twitter at uh, the Habs Forum. I mean, obviously, if there's anything that kind of breaks with the Canadians, we'll definitely record one then. But you check the Twitter and you'll, you'll get a notification for – for that, aside from that, we'll probably still get one done in a, in a few weeks if, if no big news, just to kind of touch base, even if it's just a, a short podcast. And as always, on the Twitter, at the Habs Forum on Twitter, ask questions. Ask a bunch of questions. We can even do an episode where it's just around uh, answering questions uh, for, for you guys since it is now pretty much officially the off season. So uh, as always, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.